0: and have ice cream in heaven. I'll see you tonight when I go to bed in my head movies. But this head movie makes my eyes rain. <laughs> Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb and this is my co-host Mike. And for our second film in this trilogy, we are talking a film that was on my list for years. I want to say more than a decade. And for whatever reason, I never got around to it, but thanks to this podcast, I was able to watch The Majestic, uh, directed by Frank Darabont, 2001. And uh, a kind of a big budget film and, and a huge box office flop. And I, I tell you what, Mike, I, I, I see why I see why
1: it was a box office flop. I knew it in your setup. You're like, you're just basically wanting to say my instincts were right. (laughs) I should have stayed away forever. And I consider you a heartless bastard for, for those thoughts. I take offense. Instantly. The first,
0: first thing I thought uh, as soon as I put it on, I was like, Two and a half hours. <laughs> I <was> like, oh <laughs> boy God, it better earn this. Um I will say uh, Hey, let the record show how many times
1: did you watch uh, the Batman?
0: Look, we we don't need to point out
1: Has it been? it's been out less than six months? How many times have you <laughs> watched it? <laughs> <laughs> let the record also show that Webb was looking at his fingers and he was like, Oh, only ten. Yeah, I don't <laughs> isn't. <This> is inc- <laughs>
0: yeah Uh we all have our moments of 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 being a little hypocritical but yes no i i completely here's the here's the thing here's the thing with this movie (laughs) it's it's really dull Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, my, my biggest problem with it right off the bat uh was that Well, first of all, it's a great setting. I do like old Hollywood settings and uh, the the Red Scare, the McCarthyism that's happening right away. I was like, all right, this is intriguing stuff. But you never really get to know uh, Jim Carrey's – he's not Luke. He's uh, Peter in the beginning. You don't really get to know his character, and then he loses his memory. And I'm like, "Uh, okay – so already you had a blank slate kind of being formed a little bit, and then all of a sudden blank slate again. So there's no compare and contrast as to like, oh, there. I don't know if there's a, going to be any kind of a character arc here. Was there a character arc for you? Did you feel like he was... Um, established at all and then became somebody or was it kind of a backwards thing where he kind of becomes Luke and then you kind of see what kind of a person Peter is after the fact, you know, being kind of a cowardly towards the end. Uh, I mean,
1: I guess I looked at it more as like a, a meta sort, sort of thing. Like obviously Frank Darabont is, is trying to do his, his version of a, a Capra esque, uh, especially yes. with it releasing at Christmas, uh, during uh 2001, I didn't ever feel like I needed to know more about um Peter Appleton, um the screenwriter. I felt like we're just seeing Jim Carrey slip into uh, a blank slate persona. Like you're just going to see Jim Carrey. Like you know him, especially at that time, uh as the Mask and and Dumb and Dumber. Uh, And it was more like even in the marketing material, it's pretty much like a classic sort of studio release poster painting of Jim Carrey. And so I felt like they're just playing with that, that movie star quality of like watch Jim Carrey actually be placed in a Frank Capra movie. And let's see, could we recapture that with modern sensibilities and a very modern actor an actor of the, of the nineties? Certainly.
0: Uh yeah, before this, uh the only two that stand out as like, oh, he was in that, or like, wow, what's he do Truman Show and Man on the Moon are the only two that stand out that uh I mean the rest of it is, you know, me, myself, and Irene, Ace Ventura, Cable Guy. And that's I love the cable guys. That's guy, interesting.
1: Because uh, unfortunately, like the Truman Show, like I'm a huge fan of the Truman Show. I think it's like a, a perfect film. Uh that one probably already accomplished everything Frank Darabont was trying to do here, and it seemed to be very well regarded financially. It was a summer hit, uh, critically applauded. Uh, it was one of those, at least at the time, sort of infamous, I guess, Oscar snubs. The Jim Carrey didn't get nominated; it was like expected all year. Whereas this one was preordained as this will win Oscars. This is Oscar material. And there was almost immediate backlash to like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) What is this sissy stuff they're putting into modern audiences?
0: (laughs) The timing, the timing was just right too for like, Oh, Oscar is right. They're right around the corner. We'll get some buzz at the end of the year. I completely agree. And that's part of the problem because this film really felt like a parody of a film that would go for the Oscars. Something like, okay, (laughs) it really felt like, the first thing I thought of was like, this is like Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder. If Let me jump
1: in here and just say, I really like this movie, and uh, (laughs) Webb is making (laughs) this is traumatic to listen to (laughs) that you're comparing it to Simple Jack from (laughs) Tropic Thunder.
0: (laughs) Just uh, the way that that film, uh, within the film...
1: Of Martin Landau talking about his dead son who manages miraculously to walk back into his life, yeah. Let's compare that to Ben Stiller, <laughs> his version of Simple Jack for the stage <laughs> as a prisoner of
0: war. <laughs> I'm just using it to compare, and like that the level of parody that you. Okay, so I-, I love Tommy Wiseau's The Room, right? Like I, I love that movie. It's a very. <laughs> Hold on, hold You were so
1: of the time. You are, You might as well be a web is trying on the Ain't It Cool News message boards of 2001 <laughs> just bashing this. Bashing this movie for having a heart.
0: Uh, well, what, I'm just saying it, it, it's a very earnest film, but it somehow still manages to be uh, like... A poor parody. I, don't, I can't describe it. First of all, it has its hands in a lot of different pies. It starts off being a little politically charged, goes into the small town, you know, feel good type thing, and then turns into a courtroom drama at the end. I, I feel like, and, and it doesn't happen uh, as quickly as I feel like it should. It, it Everything is stretched. So, I don't know. I I, I feel it feels jarring and at the same time sluggish. I can't quite describe. I'm trying to put my finger on what exactly didn't work for me, and unfortunately, the answer feels like everything. I I don't like. I, I I'm trying, Mike. I'm trying.
1: I'll I'll try to bail you out. Uh, I'm not going to compare it to. Goddamn simple jack but i'll (laughs) go back to the truman show which i think is more apropos here with jim carrey uh maybe we accept capra-esque um you know i say modern in the sense you know these most films are are now 20 plus years old um but uh in the truman show it's a character trapped in a capra-esque like idyllic setting of like times were better before when they were simpler and we accept that only if the character knows that there's something more progressive out there and better that that if only if the character for no reason other than deep in his soul know, knows that there's more to life than this simplicity and that he will find it <laughs> whereas the majestic is positing no the old times, you know, they, they were, they were kind of shitty, you know, especially the, you know, ruining people professionally and their reputations with the red scare. But we also kind of know that you all, you all, you all kind of want to go back to it. <laughs> we, we know that you want to go back to that small town life, which when well, it's as gorgeous as this in this like uh California coastal community, but is like small town Americana, um, why wouldn't you why would you not want uh martin landau as uh your your father or uh having characters like hal holbrook having those those great character actors up here even even ron rifkin who's usually like a prick it's like you know here he's like he's our prick <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> he's like he's just it's just part of it um I, you know i can't say that i was totally sold on this when i saw it as a 19 year old I remember being kind of disappointed because I was I was into the you know the idea of the the director of The Shawshank Redemption. I was not a big fan of The, the Green Mile which I I believe was a, a big hit and got nominated for best picture and all that like following the path of what you expect from uh Frank Darabont coming off of The Shawshank Redemption which I mean at what point did that become like the the world's favorite movie for a time because that was also a huge failure at the box office but somewhere along the way in video uh it was just this cultural touchstone um but i i don't know i i appreciate this a lot more now um and i don't know if that's just my age or it's just one of those interesting curiosities one of those experiments like gus van sant's like psycho remake where I'm like, oh, there was a time where they they just literally like tried to, can we do Frank Capra again now? Will they accept it? And they probably financially thought, they couldn't have planned for it, but coming mere months after 9-11, I think there was a calculation that audiences would go to this. And as we saw with the decade after 9-11, no, audiences wanted things that were <laughs> stories about distrust, paranoia. Uh, you know, the Bourne series comes out from that as globe trotting. Uh, obviously, Christopher Nolan's Batman series, especially when you get to the Dark Knight, as far as the, the police state, uh, that's went to. And maybe it's with Hindsight Web. I'm like, man, we would have had a decade of a lot nicer uh, movies for me at least, easier to consume if people had just shown up for the fucking majestic <laughs> of rejecting it, and then everything got dark, and everything got at least to my eyes, extremely dated I think there's a whole decade of post 9-11 that are really, there's a lot of really dated material in it probably doesn't hold up as well as the paranoid thrillers of the seventies. Like maybe even for the ones that were commercially successful at the time, that's the best I can do. Unless you want to get into individual scenes. I'm just saying you and America at large were wrong. And look what you've done (laughs) to our DVD
0: shelves. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what's funny is I hundred and ten percent agree with you about the fact that like this happened months after yeah yeah like three months after nine eleven. I mean, but also didn't it come out not the same weekend, but right, right as Lord of the Rings was uh, starting its uh, you know uh, ascent, and so I think which gives people... you that
1: same messaging, but it also lets you kill. <laughs> These alien invaders right. over your rival countries. <laughs> <laughs> These monsters that don't look like us. <laughs> we, we like the ones that look like us as long as they're short, and <laughs> feet. Right. The other ones not so much.
0: The people did want some kind of escapist entertainment, but maybe this was uh, they didn't want something as ho- is wholesome the right word. Um,
1: you just take it at face value that. Our our boys went off to war. And if, if there is cynicism here, it's you know, it is tied into the 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 red scare in that um you know, wartime was something not to be proud of that there was a war, but there's certainly, you know, getting into the Vietnam era where uh you know, a soldier coming back uh was to be treated with, treated with great respect and honor. There you yeah. removed them politically from, from the, the act of, of war. Um And that just, you know, that didn't take, although in in fairness, you know, all of the sort of war films that came out uh, in in the decade uh, plus of us being in the the Middle East, um, I don't think any of those, (laughs) I don't think Jarhead, (laughs) strange, I don't think it was like incredibly well received, but also, I don't know if you know this, Jarhead, spun off like eight different straight-to-video sequels under the Jarhead branding, which is is weird as fuck to me. But uh, I wonder what Sam Mintes thinks about those, the the expansion (laughs) of the Jarhead mythos. (laughs) All right, nerd. So you went to Lord of the Rings. You said, see, I believe in hope and goodness as long as there's elves and bows and arrows and an axe and a goblin or two. But, uh, what? okay, what are your three biggest issues with the story of the majestic other than sort of the wraparound framing. Once we get into the town, do do any of the niceties of these people being overjoyed by Jim Carrey's presence work on you? Do you eventually get swept up in it? And this father and well, father and fake son (laughs) rebuilding (laughs) rebuilding a movie theater, which to me is just like, Oh my God, that, that is a, a, a fantasy that if I could have lived that, if, if my father owned an old rundown theater and we put it back together as a movie guy, I just, I just love just, living in that for, for just a moment.
0: I think there was a little bit of an upswing in that aspect of it I, because of course I mean I love movies I love movie theaters and so that aspect of the film where I was like oh maybe he's go-, you know that's maybe that's where the film is going but as soon as he gets his memory back because they played uh, the film that he wrote with the wonderful Bruce Campbell. That was, there you like, go
1: hey, that was excellent. Out. Come on you dork come on the water's but, just fine <laughs> ashes <is> here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thing is, as soon as he gets his memory back, I'm like, "Uh oh!" I feel like it's going to turn into a very different kind of film. So uh, that was a little frustrating. Um, but but there were really like kind of hackneyed scenes throughout that. Um, oh, who who is the rival? The the person who went to war with uh, his his friend who came back uh, um, disabled, and uh, where you know they have the classic. Uh, a little mini rivalry, and then he comes back. I'll take a ticket. You know, a lot of these scenes are like, <laughs> like. I love you know, the small town grudges that
1: you would you would hold up. <laughs> like, if you don't treat me like the movie god that I am, you don't get the ticket to the picture show. <laughs> get out.
0: <laughs> it, was, it, it was all just very frustrating. um Webb's be... version
1: of The Majestic is just an old episode of Melrose Place and syndication. Just, <laughs> just cattiness all around.
0: <laughs> I really, as I was finding things, I was like, okay, I kind of like this. I kind of like where this is going. And then, you know, a scene like that comes in. I'm like, who wrote this? So I had to look up this guy, Michael uh, Sloan. And this is literally, I think, the only uh, um, feature length film that he wrote. There's nothing on a couple of shorts, but for the most part, I guess he's like I'm fucking Harper Lee. I'm never gonna beat this mic drop, and that was it for him. I I just it it boggles my mind, man. I I, I
1: actually took that a different way. I took it as a uh, he had a, a a sort of quaint idea for something that like Frank Darabont's like I've always wanted to do like a Capra-esque thing, and I'm just assuming he came in and just like rewrote the hell out of it. That's probably why that I can see a, that. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to dismiss the man, but I, th- I think you did a good enough job to <laughs> him to Harper Lee <laughs> with a little well, sarcasm
0: in your voice. <laughs> yeah, um... You mentioned uh, Roger Ebert last uh, last week, and one of the things that immediately you know I I love it when he gives uh, films like three and a half stars or what stuff that's like not well received. He gave I think the movie Knowing four stars, a Nick Cage uh, sci-fi film uh, by Alex Proyas. I. I also think that movie is great, and not four stars great, but I, I, it was nice to know, like, oh, it's fun to have Ebert on my side. And then it's funny when you have the, like, why is Ebert there? Why isn't he on my side in this one? But, yeah, uh, he mentioned um, a, a, a kind of patriotism, where, uh, and he compared it to, like, Rambo patriotism versus Capra patriotism. So that aspect of the film I completely understand. And, fuck, like I, I I like the original Rambo. The rest of them are hot garbage i and i'm so I, to the point where i delete deleted i hid them from my apple tv library because like i i can't Ooh, see these i the, cannot the see the ultimate
1: these. sin is you don't even get to be a square anymore in my library after i, <laughs> I paid for the rights for you to be a square you're gone right you don't. web is the, the the hbo max of his own <laughs> this, <laughs> <library>. <laughs> this is a tax write-off now never to be seen again
0: Every now and then, I'll probably get drunk and have secret screenings when I unhide.
1: <laughs> I love that the Rainbow sequels are your version of Batgirl. We can only have these <laughs> secret funeral screenings for Batgirl. No one
0: can know about them. Um, This is also... Kind of an outlier in Frank Darabont's filmography. I think this might be the only film that's not a Stephen King adaptation. I thought that was kind of a uh, interesting as well. Uh, so much so, like with the failure of this, he went right back to Stephen King with *The Mist*, uh, which is which wh- uh, for me that's almost um, almost a pretty good film. And that ending just uh, zero a- interest in rewatching that movie ever again.
1: Oh really? I mean, you're you're. Are you saying just from a? Uh, I don't want to experience it again because I feel like the ending is is what has kept that thing sort of uh, in reference. Like whenever anyone brings it up to me, it's always like, oh, man, that ending." Whereas you know, if it went a different direction, uh, maybe a more um, <laughs> it's hard to say hopeful. Well, I guess it's, anything could be more hopeful than the, the oh, ending are- of, that you get in the mist. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like motherfucker, you couldn't hear those tanks coming right behind yeah. you. Like it, I don't know, I was very frustrated, and 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 I watched this before I had a child. I was like, I can't imagine being in that situation where you spoiler have to... alert though, does oh. that, that
1: has no has no kids. There's another ending with the Kirby enthusiasm music where you're like, huh. I'm glad I sacrificed. Glad I chose to play the hero. I was going to live with the murder and blood on my hands and look. It's all gravy
0: for me now. <laughs> I'm saved. <laughs> so, uh, the other the other films that Derbon has done uh, that are Stephen King adaptations, would you say that they're more um genre fair, like Shawshank and Green Mile? And the mist, whereas the majestic feels like it's uh, a little more uh, not. I don't want to say realistic drama because with amnesia, you always have. There's always a sense of suspension of disbelief. There's always a little bit of that. Like, well, it's a narrative device that's used to tell this kind of story.
1: Um, I mean, it's still genre fair. It's just genre that is completely out of step with the time that it actually was released. You know those old fashioned sort of melodramas, like we're going to produce something that's going to make you feel and and cry. Yeah, like I mean, tonally, is there anything really that different from Shawshank Green Mile to Majestic? Like it's yeah, this is a sentimental dude. I mean, all, all of his You're characters, right. like generally speaking, um, are good people like living in very troubled times uh especially you go to Tom Hanks in the Green Mile like he's good lord he's uh, a guy working in the south um who doesn't hate uh black people and doesn't instantly uh believe that they're murderers so that that probably puts him like the, the 1% top 1% of people for the time and locale um and that's one thing I really like about the majestic is that it's like other than the slight bullying that you get from a guy that's like, I don't believe you are who you say, or which he's right. He actually, I mean, he's the one that maybe knew this guy, the closest, um, the, the Matt Damon version, I guess, of the character as we, when we get later in the, the voiceover, um, I like that. I like that people are allowing themselves to get swept up. You know, it's like, unfortunately for the filmmakers here, uh, they could not find the the townspeople that just would accept the majestic at face value as they are accepting the character. And I felt like that's the meta aspect of it. He's asking, he's inviting you to come along to a time period where people would just look, well, they would hope for goodness, and when they saw it, they didn't dig too deep because it's like they they ask for a prayer, and when it's answered, they won't be like, well. Is it exactly what I wanted? <laughs> <laughs> is this is, is this the true version of Jim Carrey or is it a fake one? Just just you know, it's just a means to inspire you to be a better person, the townspeople. And it does, it inspires them to to remember their they're dead. Like they have this memorial that they have kind of hidden away because they're looking at it as just something that's just totally painful because nothing good came out of out of it. And motherfuckers, you're gonna get a theater out of this. You're gonna go with the movies again. This is totally speaking to me. I'm, I actually, like, I knew coming in this, I was either gonna give you something that you felt, you felt bad that you'd sat on this for so long because it totally swept you away, or you felt bad because you <laughs> <fucking> watched it. <laughs> so I guess it was a win win for me either way. Uh, same reaction, but, uh, yeah, I've responded to this uh, much better now than I did as a teenager. And I don't think I've, I ever rewatched it since I saw it in theaters in 2001 as one of, the, one of the
0: few that gave this a shot. Another meta aspect you could say is like he is a screenwriter. You know, at that point, he's like, you know, maybe subconsciously writing this narrative for all these uh, townspeople and himself as well. I don't think that it's a bad film. I think it, it's a competently made one but i think it's just my own cynicism that gets in the way of taking any of the emotional and kind of wholesome moments at face value and treats them as uh, a parody of a parody of a parody you know uh so i like I, I i i'll go i how about this i'll go on record saying it's not you it's me majestic <laughs> it's it's me just go ahead and cue another simple jack clip just to <laughs> <laughs> make you <even>
1: worse.
0: <laughs> um, but why is it called the Majestic? Why do you think they settled on that? Like why is the movie theater? I, I felt like it was it was
1: trying to key you in to um you know, this this is the type of thing that you you know used to inspire and by God, I made the Shawshank Redemption. So I'm going to do it again. Like I, I'm going to learn you, uh, I guess not totally cynical Americans because this was shot pre nine 11. So, uh, but maybe that it was, you know, we, we had, we were far removed from, um, the sort of the, the glorious cinema, which actually now, like, I, you know, I wonder would this be received better Now, I don't think financially, because we actually have two upcoming films, Damien Chazelle Walla La La Land and Whiplash. I believe he's doing something on, like, the birth of, like, the transition from, like, the silent era. Uh, I think it's called Babylon. And I think even Sam Mendes has something uh, that's about the early days of cinema. So I I don't know. And especially, you know, the threat of, of theaters dying uh, this is one that, you know, is among uh, film Twitter, the, the topicality of it, as far as maybe the death of an art form, uh, the disappearance of of something, uh, uh, you know, for a lot of people like myself, like a, a church they go to, where you go to like have these very involved emotions in this dark room, the shared experience with people. Um, that's. To me, is why clearly it's named the Majestic and not the Appleton identity or whatever <laughs> they, could, they could have sold this to in 2001. <laughs>